Hey, everybody, we are back. Welcome to another episode of More Than a Title, sponsored by Hard Rock Cocktails. I'm your host, Jared Thomas, CRO of Outside the Box Digital. Also, huge shout out to our distribution partners, Alive Network, and all of the amazing people and supporters of helping us grow week over week. This doesn't happen without you guys. So appreciate you joining again. As always, we're going to have a real conversation, authentic, and we're going to drop some gems. Hope you, hope you guys, you know, can level up in whatever business you're in and and take some take some take something back from it. So today I've got a special guest. This is my guy right here. This is a guy that's been with me really from like the beginning of the journey. He's one of the first people I met on LinkedIn. He's been a big supporter. We've always been, you know, keeping tabs on each other, you know, making sure, you know, pushing each other, motivating each other. But um, he's just an overall great dude. He's the CEO of Cutter Consulting Group. Is also a mindset and scalability expert focused on developing authentic persuaders. He's also the author of the book, Authentic Persuasion. Uh, even though he has a bachelor's degree in marine biology, he knows what it takes to be successful in sales and build profitable teams. His books, podcasts, training workshops, and speaking are all focused on helping sales professionals close more deals, make more money, and produce scalable results. So everybody, please, let's give a warm welcome for my brother, Jason Cutter. How are you, man? I'm great. I'm excited to be here. Uh, it, it feels like we have known each other for a lot. Like I think years-wise, it might not be as as much as other people might know or other relationships, but like, yeah, I feel like it's been since the beginning of both of us on LinkedIn and then that journey and the growth and just, you know, having this kind of bond and relationship of chatting. So very excited Absolutely. to be here, especially after you've been on my show before uh, and uh, I'm ready to rock. It's an honor, brother. First of all, you were one of the first podcasts I was on. So that, so I don't know if I ever told you that, man. I don't know if I ever. No, told I you, think but... you were. I, I think you might have been. Uh, you know, just trying to play it cool and be like, "Oh yeah, I do this all the time." Like you were, you you were awesome. Couldn't tell. Uh, for first time, bro. I'm like, you want me, man? I'm like, there's just SEO sales guy, right? Like just trying to build stuff. And we got on the show, man. It was a great episode, and it really just gave me the confidence. Like, man, I, I love this stuff, man. If we can get sales by doing this type of content, why the heck would I send out these thousand emails, right? Like, what's up with that? But um. But let's start from there, bro, because I want to get to know more about you, man, because I know we've had conversations. I didn't even know you was, you know, marine biologist, bro. Like, I didn't know that. So can you tell us about the transition from you, you know, being in the marine field and end up coming to sales? Like, what what, what transpired there? So it, 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 the punchline of the marine biology, which was focused on sharks, I went to UC Santa Cruz, is, is that at one point, I'm 20 years old standing on a boat off the coast of California, surrounded by great white sharks. At that mm. moment in my life, that was still a smarter, safer career choice than dealing with people, like as a, as a career choice. Like I'm like, there's no way I want to deal with people. I don't want to work with people. I don't want to deal with customers. Like, let me just deal with, yeah. you know, 4,000 pound great white shark. Like that's way easier. They're way more predictable. <laughs> they got one direction. They got one thing on their mind. Stay away from the business end. You'll be all right. Like it's super easy. People are messy, right? To be mm. nice. Um, I was a shy, awkward, bullied, late blooming child to two amazing, fantastic, loving parents who are still together today. Like I had a good childhood, but like as far as socially, like it, it I was, I didn't fit in with anyone. My mom uh, was a banker and moved her way up in finance. My dad was an engineer out of the Navy and moved his way up through project management and leadership. But I have two analytical parents. My mom hates, still to this day, hates salespeople, especially old school, <laughs> gross salespeople. She hates them. So that's what I was instilled with, right, was this yep. hatred of salespeople. I don't come from a business family. No one sold anything in my family. And... I was awkward and weird and didn't fit in. So I chose sharks. Wow. Well, but mom, like, mom, you're not alone. You're not alone. We hate them too. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> does, them. right? Like, here's the interesting thing though, because people always push back. It's like, well, what did, you know, what does my mom think now? It's like, my mom actually likes sales professionals. My mom loves it when she goes to a car dealership or gets referred to someone and gets somebody who actually cares what she wants. She's willing to pay. She doesn't even need to fight them on price if she's getting a good deal with someone she trusts. She just hates the gross stuff, right? The sales yeah. stuff that we can't stand. Yeah. Um, and, and again, she's not alone. I mean, I think the world, they tolerate it. They used to, yeah, hopefully less now. But yeah. Um, yeah, so life took me different ways. I realized I was pretty good with people. I was pretty good customer service wise. Um, 
And then uh, I worked at Microsoft for a couple of years doing tech support when that was still a thing in the US. Wow. That ended. And then uh, I fell into the mortgage industry at 27 years old in 2002. And uh, it wasn't even sales. It was real estate boom. So it was order taking at its finest. Didn't learn anything about sales. Fell, like, it started helping people in foreclosure. Uh, instead of doing the mortgage business, realized what sales really meant because you had to persuade somebody. Yeah cost of failure when you don't persuade somebody um, and then went to work for a company where I was actually operations because my mind is operations. I'm an operations guy who would think I was a salesperson at that point because I didn't think I was selling. I thought I was just helping people. So yeah. I went to work for a startup. They had a director of sales. I was the director of operations. About six months later, they fired the director of sales because he wasn't good at what he did. I became the VP of sales of sales and operations. And they said, here you go. We have uh, eight salespeople and we have four telemarketers and we're sending direct mail. So uh, you need to fix this uh, so that everyone still has a job. And, um, and then after that point, every company that hired me figured I knew what I was doing. And I just had to figure it out and just adapt. Oh, man. And so uh, for everybody listening, I want to break it. There's a few things you said, bro, that were so interesting. One about what your mom said about the customer experience of sales, right? That's such a big thing. So any sales professionals listening right now, there's nothing different from his mom going into a car, you know, dealership, right? Versus somebody coming to your website, somebody filling out that demo, raising their hand, wanting to know more about product, and you're trying to shove product down their throat without actually listening to what they want as the customer. That is huge. So anybody listening, that's a gem right there. And then you also said something like, I also something that was really really cool. You were in the mortgage space, right? You took over when it was, when it was actually a thing, right? I got yeah. in at 2008, I believe when <laughs> after, after the boom. So when everybody's partying and all that stuff, when everybody's getting slapped on the wrist, I come in there, you know, green eye, <laughs> I want to sell. And then Ow. I had to take the safe act and I mean, safe test and all that stuff, bro. But you said you were order taking. So where did the yeah. actual, where were you able to actually tell us about that, you know, transitional period when you actually were honing in your sales okay. skills, where it's more outbound, Versus you getting inbound leads, so so it, it it it's not even it's not even that so much. It's not even this you, you know what we see now and what you and I are used to in, yeah. in the the games that we play now, where it's this pure outbound versus pure inbound, right? Thinking inbound is order taking and outbound is not. And and yeah. let's dissect that here in a few minutes as well, because I've never mm. I've never thought about it and vocalized it in those terms. So this will be fun as well. But for mm. me. Mortgage business, 2002, rates are good. It's all over the news. Um, my boss, like my, here's my first day in the mortgage business. My boss says, he sits me down at a desk and says, I just sent 10,000 postcards last week. When the phone rings, fill out this lead sheet, put them on hold, and then come get me and I will do the rest. Welcome to the mortgage business. I didn't know how we made money. I didn't know what the fees were. I just needed a job. I was referred to him. He hired me. So let's go. And I'm, and again, I'm 27. It's not like I'm 18 and I don't know how things work, but I was also a renter. I'm like, you know what? I should probably buy a house because this feels weird helping people with mortgages and I'm a renter. I feel like a hypocrite and I should probably know how the process works. So then yeah. I ended up buying a house. Um, it was the order taking wasn't so much the inbound versus outbound. It was the market and dictating that pe everybody just wanted. Everyone's just begging for houses. And it was just like the mortgages were there and, and there was just this, this momentum, right? And this excitement. Yeah. Um, at the time, I didn't realize it. But where I started to learn sales was when I left the mortgage industry. This is how weird I am, right? As a person, <laughs> I was in it for a couple of years, 2004, right? Your meltdown's 2007, right? 2004, yeah. people are still making a killing. And I'm like, this is boring. I don't feel fulfilled. I don't enjoy this, helping people buy houses they probably can't afford. Like, I, yeah. I don't think most people should own a house. I think a lot of people should rent. And for many different reasons, we won't get into because this isn't a financial advising podcast, yeah. but um, I'm like, this is not fun. I don't enjoy this. And yeah. of course people are killing it. And so started helping people who were in foreclosure avoid losing their house. <laughs> and I realized, and I had to teach myself, but I realized like how hard that is. You've mm. got somebody who sheriff is coming on Friday if they don't fix this. And you'd think that would be easy, but they're so stuck that it takes so much effort yeah. to unstick them. Um, and again, this is where I do this a lot in my training too, but one of the most beneficial things about those couple of years that I did that as, as a business, my, my yeah. business partner and I started a company helping people is that 
the cost of failure was that their house would go to auction. So if yeah. I wasn't successful at helping somebody, I know it's not just me, right? They have to take yeah. steps themselves and you know, it, I can't sure. do everything for them, but I would literally go to the courthouse steps on Fridays at 10 AM and watch that house go to auction and just think and, and mentally and put that in my head of that's what my lack of sales success looked like. That's what my failure looks like is that person. Now the sheriff's on the way to the house, right? Again, it's not all wow. me, but I'm like, don't let that happen again. Right. And so, yeah. you know, go further and further. Um, we, we can talk about the inbound outbound order taker stuff, but yeah, that's a, that's where I started to learn it. And then the big transition for me was when I took over that team, uh, it was in the office and it was over the phone, but also helping people who were in trouble, uh, financially. And so I didn't think over the phone sales was possible. I was raised in person, yeah. you meet with somebody, you build a relationship, yeah. you build trust. You, you don't do anything over the phone unless it's transactional sales, always in person. And I got to that company and I'm like, it's not possible. You can't do anything yeah. over the phone. No way. And then I realized, wow, you can do amazing things over the phone. And that's yeah. where it clicked. Yeah, I, I have a similar experience, bro. And I would love to get into order taking one where we go. And I think it's a good segue. So when I came into reverse mortgage, I'll tell you my process, right? So I was young. I was maybe what, 21, 22, if that. So basically, I'm a junior loan originator, so I didn't pass the test yet. So all I can do was actually just call. So I was an equivalent of a BDR. Get the call. Like you say, you get somebody on the phone. You try to build a relationship. You pass them off to the senior person, and they can start the process, right? But I'm calling people that are reverse mortgages. So I'm calling people that were 65 and above right. as a 20-year-old right. trying to get them to take equity out of their houses so they can do something. So for anybody listening, a reverse mortgage is basically a mortgage where you, know, you basically take the equity out of your house. And is, you don't have to pay it until you, you decease, pretty much. And your family would have the option whether to pay and continue up with the mortgage or the bank would take it back. So if you're somebody with like no family or something like that, I'm like 65 years old, my kids are not here, I don't have kids or whatever the case may be, my job was to say, take the money out your house, go traveling, go do see the world. You don't know how many years you have left. And I hated that. I hated that, man. But it was so hard to build the relationship. And that's when I really got good. I would get no all day or no all day. Like I'm calling you, you know, day, days of our lives are on or something like that. You don't, call, you, don't, you don't want to hear from Jared. Don't know who doesn't know shit about shit. So it was just a crazy experience. And I just got used to hearing no. And then we had the, the mm -hmm. leads. We had the Robert Wagner lead. So a little commercial would come up. You know what I'm saying? They set times yep. and we would just sit there and wait for the phones. <laughs> and it was just crazy, brother. So I was, I was definitely not in the order taker position. I was in the hunt. I had to yeah. hunt, brother. So, um, yeah. So let's talk about like the the order taking versus the outbound, like how it was then versus how it is now, and what so are some things it, that you take away. Well, and I think some of it is now and then. I think some of it's terminology. So I think a lot yeah. of people might look at okay. So if you're making outbound calls, you're a hunter, you're a killer, and you're obviously a salesperson, and you're you're crushing it. Like that's where you're in that mode. And if you're taking inbound sales, not customer yeah. service, inbound sales calls, then you must be an order taker because you're sitting around just taking orders. Yeah. Um, Here's the big thing that's fascinating about me is that from the moment I started managing that, that first sales team and then everything else I've done in my career and then most of the things that I do with my clients because it's, it's similar kind of modes mm -hmm. is closers getting inbound calls. Now, in some of our worlds and the, the ones that you know we're most, both – uh, part of it's the SDR BDR feeding the account executive, right? And so the account executive is now getting this inbound lead. I come from business to consumer, you know, financial services, debt relief, where maybe direct mail or radio ads, TV ads, and then it's feeding that, that enrollment specialist, that closer directly mm. in from something. Now, here's the fallacy is that those are just easy to close. And if you're getting those kind of leads, all you're doing is sitting back with your feet up on your desk, uh, you know, just uh, shooting fish in a barrel, right? And it's not true. It's easier, but it's yeah. a different mode. And one of so the big true. things that a lot of people don't understand, especially salespeople, is that to make that phone ring or to make that lead appear on your desk is a significant investment of money right? Mm. Like if you're doing direct mail, that call might be 50 to $80 uh, just mm. to make it ring. And you think, ah, ah, they got to talk to their spouse or they got to talk to their boss. I'll just, you know, I'll move on to the next one. It's like at some point the company's losing a lot of money on you if you're an order taker. So there's really, a, it's more of a mode, right? There's hunter and killer 
outbounder, and then there's you know sell sales consultant uh, on the inbounds. Yeah. And I think both sides can have uh, you know order takers. There's gonna be outbounder order takers, usually not in the position very long because they get crushed uh, and exactly. they can't make anything happen. They're hoping, but you can usually see it in the results, right? You can see their closing percentage or their effectiveness percentage is basically some average number that's so low that of course anybody can trip over a a sale every once in a while. Yeah, that that's so true too. Man. And I want to say shout out to Bianca. Thank you for joining, baby. Miss you, baby. But um, you're so true with the inbound sales. First of all, I've seen a lot of people mess up inbound sales because you're so used to it, right? You just assume 100%. that they want something that that you already have this you know preconceived notion that hey, they want they want mm. package B, and this is what message. And you. <laughs> Jordan, good timing, baby. That's why I love you. But, <laughs> but that, that's how it is. And as far as outbound, right? So like you said, with the cost, the cost per acquisition for a new customer, right? And that's why I changed my entire approach with sales. So I was, I know me and you've talked about it. So I've had good quarters. I've had bad quarters. I've been in between quarters, you know, kind of just, you know, all, all around, right? And my marketing mind thought if I'm sending, let's say a thousand emails per month, right? And I'm only getting three meetings or four meetings, let's say five on a good month. Maybe two of those clothes, one was ready, one just took one out of pity because they liked the messaging, and the other one just you knew the brand or something like that. You know what I mean? And they really don't have a need right then. So I'm thinking yeah. that's all wasted time. Me doing that discovery with you, me talking to you, me trying to, you know, do the research on your brand, trying to discover a problem, all those things take time. But if I could be proactive and actually just what is a common problem? that people that I talk to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis and how can I be the trusted voice in that regard? And then you sprinkle in some relationship stuff. You sprinkle in some life stuff. You sprinkle in journey stuff. And then it just, you know, it compounds. And that's where you get the credibility and the trust to make an ask one day. So what advice would you give to, brother, for, for people right now? Because I, every outbound person I speak to is, Jared, shit is tough as hell. I can't get it. My pipeline's disintegrating. I'm, I'm, I'm scared as F. They might let me go. And I hear it across the board, doesn't matter what industry you're in. So what advice would you give to those sellers that have been there for like 5, 10, 15 years that have a set process, been trained in medic, all those things that we came up on, and it's just like yeah. it simply isn't working today? What's the best advice we would give? Well, the first thing I would say, and none of this is a, a sponsored paid product for me and what I do. So this is just what I've learned in general. Yeah. But if you're selling the way uh, you sold a year ago, two years ago, or older, you're toast, right? Like you're, you're absolutely done absolutely. Um, because the world has changed. That's the biggest thing. This is what I'm, I'm trying to educate so many teams on uh, that I work with is that they just don't understand. And just yeah. so you know, Nailed it's not it. pandemic. It's not ec economy. It's not interest rates. It's not the war in Ukraine, it's not gas, it's not, it's not inflation. Like it's none of that. Cause a lot of people think, oh, well, yeah, of course things have changed, right? There's a pandemic. No, it has nothing to do with that. That might affect your contact strategy, but I'm talking about the conversations you have. Cause yeah. the problem is, is this, right? This right here is what <laughs> yeah. changed the game. And the reason why is it's not that the internet is new, right? I old enough to remember when there was an internet and then there was like this weird dial-up thing, and then there was better internet. And, and so I have seen the evolution. It's more so that now everybody over the last, I'm going to say two to three years, again, not pandemic related. So please yeah. don't try to say, oh, this is just, a, is we all know now that we have the access to all the world's information at our fingertips, which means the dynamics of a salesperson have completely changed because it wasn't that long ago where the reason I had to interact with you, the salesperson, or I had to entertain your cold call to me and talk to you is because you have information and you have a product that I need to know about because I don't know about it. And I have yeah. to talk to you to find out the facts and the features and the benefits and how it works and have you Benjamin Franklin me about <laughs> everything that like, like, you know what I mean? Like so true, bro. There, it wasn't that long ago where I, as a customer, business to consumer or business to business, doesn't matter. Me as a customer needed you to educate me on how this works, right? That's why that spin selling and the challenger sales and why all that stuff, like they, it's still so popular and people think that's the way to go because it's, I'm going to educate you on something. Yeah. You need me to educate you. I don't need you for shit, right? That's the thing that <sighs> salespeople do not understand is I, as a customer, B2C or B2B, I don't need you to educate me. Now, 
there are people out there who don't know anything about anything and you really do need to educate them and they need the help. I'm not saying that's not the case, yeah. but so many salespeople go into conversations talking about themselves. I'm so amazing. Here's what I do. Here's what our product does. You need us. Here's, here's why everyone else loves us and all this stuff. Yeah. And they assume, especially if you have a meeting with somebody that they're coming into that meeting blind and they need you to educate them. Stop thinking that. Realize that if anyone's talking to you, they've researched you, they've looked you up, or as soon as they hang up from a call with you, they're going to look you up and they're going to research both you and your company and find out everything they need to know. And your role is totally different. No, that's so true, bro. First of all, that, that's a clip. You know, I'm clipping that up. I'm sending that out. And then second of all, shout out to the weird dial-up things that we used to use back in the day. <laughs> what the hell was that about? Remember those days? Oh, man. And I remember way back in day when as a kid my parents would let me use like the internet for like 15 minutes on a saturday morning while they were sleeping and i could go on these like bbs boards and download a free game each weekend and sometimes it would be great sometimes it would suck and that was my whole that was my whole day so um yeah, yeah. no it's, you know but now we have everything and i have a chat bot i can chat with and it will write all kinds of stuff for me and it could answer all my problems in my life like that's right. so true. But most people don't correlate that with, with that, right? Mm -hmm. and, and it's so true, man, because at the end of the day, what every brand needs to do or should be thinking is how do I simplify the process so you don't have to speak to Jared, you don't have to speak to Jason. A good sales process already has the questions answered or the information out there. The problem is some of the old school ones, they want to gate it. They want to collect something for it. They want to do this and go all these hoops and loops. And then your competitor is just letting them in the door and they're coming Unless in. Unless so you... Huh? Yeah, unless you have a, 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 a really important brand and something that literally it's worth me paying the toll of putting in my email and my phone number, knowing what's going to come my way for the next three months. <laughs> and then when that guy gets fired, they're going to replace it with somebody else who's going to harass me for the next three months until they get fired. And then, like, again, I... I get these emails from people yeah. and these phone calls and it's like, it goes quiet and then comes back. But unless it's something really important, I know for myself, I don't want to put my information in. I don't, I don't need you. If I want to talk to you, I'll talk to you. Um, so there's that part there, which I think is very valid. It's that experience that people have. Um, and then it's the conversations. It's what yeah. actually happens. It, there's so many people that just have this passed down mentality of what they should be doing as a salesperson, an outbounder, a cold caller, SDR, BDR, like a salesperson. They just think their job is to just be salesy and sell and telling and just all of these things. And it's just so backwards so that that's, that's the first part that just is, so is getting in most people's ways. So true. And, and I've seen, I've seen that a lot across my career. Like I've changed up and switched up. So like for any salesperson listening, when I switched up, like for instance, when I went to my last job, what I would do, I was doing social media. I was an account manager, right? For a social media management company. So when my come on with my clients, I'm dealing with enterprise clients. First conversation, you know what I'm doing? Most clients, I'm listening to other calls on Gong, seeing what other reps are doing and it's features and functionality. You know what I'm coming there on first day with? I come in there with a whole social media content audit. I want to know why you did that. Why you posted this? Who creates the content? What is the process? Who, what is the ROI on this, right? How are you tracking this? All of those things, right? And I'll give you a quick story, like I, I, to, to reverse the deal. I actually almost got him back, but they, they couldn't. But I was dealing with a relationship, like, like a, a Tinder company, right? Tinder is actually, was their competitor. So they, they're sitting there talking to me and I'm like, yeah, they're going through all these things, yeah, social media and all this. And I'm like, yeah, we're posting, we're doing good, engagement's good. I'm like, all right, screw all of that. What's the most viewed Netflix movie right now? Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's, it's the goddamn Tinder swindler. And if you don't know how people are watching that movie and understanding the sentiment of those customers that no longer want to use that product so you can bring yeah. them back and acquire them as a net new customer for your platform, then what are you doing? Light bulb went up. Bing! Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you got to do, guys, as a salesperson. What are you going to do to think outside the box? What are, like, what are the... There's a problem. There's a second yeah. problem. There's a real problem. And it's yeah. layers and it's a process to get to that real problem. One is credibility and trust, doing those things, content, all those things, but just knowing their space, knowing, putting yourself in their shoes, something as simple as that. Yeah. But, and here's the biggest thing, and this is the biggest warning I would have for everyone watching or listening to this mm -hmm. is you are special. You have the skills. You have the abilities 
to back up what you say, right? Like you need to do this strategy. Here's why. And I can give you the proof. I can give you the stats. I can give you the data. A lot of people in sales, they talk good game. They can regurgitate some other stuff. They literally don't know what they're talking about or what they're doing, or they, they don't know enough, right? They, they went through some half-assed product training the company gave them. The company <laughs> gave them no soft skills training, threw them out there, throwing bodies at the, at the wall and see what happens, right? Like that's just it. So, so one yeah. part for people watching, you actually know your stuff. And, and again, I've never been a customer of yours. I've, I've never hired you. So like, we don't have a working relationship, but I know that you know your stuff because I've chatted with you and seen your stuff enough. So that's the first part. The other yeah. part is you actually care about people. There's that's one so thing that people in sales have to be very careful. Your approach is great with a giant asterisk which is instead of going in there with features and benefits and all that crap that people do to talk about themselves. And we can, we can talk about why that's so wrong. Cause I haven't even touched on that yet. Um, but like you going in with, I want, let's do an audit of your social media. That's painful. That's like going to the doctor and having <laughs> the doctor run tests and ask you questions yeah. that you don't want to answer. Cause you don't want to admit how There's unhealthy you are. <laughs> Or when you go to the dentist and the dentist says, all right, so how many times a day do you, flo you floss? And it's like several, I, none. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. 14 times a day. Isn't that right? Yeah. Like, no. like, you know, it's, it's so, but the thing is <laughs> when you go to the doctor, they're a professional, you trust them. Yeah. If they do it right, by the time they get to that point, you know that they actually care about you and they have your intentions, your, your well-being in, in, in their focus, right? It's not about a quota. It's not like, hey, you know, I have, I have three more brain surgeries this month and then I get President's Club. Like, no, that's not the thing, right? <laughs> it's about them helping you. So the problem is I've seen people do this. They use like, again, I'll bring it up like the challenger sale, but there's no empathy behind it. Yes. They don't actually care. It is a tactic and it comes across as a brutal tactic, which then can make people feel bad. And if your prospect feels bad, they will retreat from you because their ego will say, I feel bad. I want no part of this. Even if this could save my life, I want no part of your solution and I'm out. It's called prospect okayness. I think even Sandler calls it that. Like you have wow. to pro protect their mental state of being okay or at least being better than you. Wow. And so you have to be careful. So you have to approach with empathy. If you do that, like, hey, I, um, let's do a social media audit. Why did you post this? Why, would, why did you do that one? Who on your team did that? Do you realize mm -hmm. that that's not very good? Like, bye. Like that person yeah. doesn't want to be abused by a salesperson. Yeah. But yep. so many salespeople do that because they they forgot the empathy part of sales because no one taught them. Yeah, that is so true. And and just to just to give you context, like so I would say that for I was an account manager, I wasn't gonna lose you. So that's the only reason I came aggressive. I but if, if it's net new, definitely not the way to go about it. But I would say just not on the first date. Not on the first date. That's exactly no. what it is. It's a song yeah. and a dance, right? And then I love the yeah. psychology of sales. And like you said, it's building that trust. But it's hard for salespeople like us who've been trained this way because why? What are we using to do outbound sales? We have Discover Org. We have Zoom Info. And guess what? They're just a name and a number and an email to help us get to where we want to go. Once yep. I changed my mindset and shifted that, it's like, yo, this that's actually Jason. He's actually the market manager. I couldn't imagine what pressure he's dealing with right now in the pandemic, having to generate these leads and not know this and the customer experience sucks and all that. So, man, just talk to me. What's up, man? Like, what's really keeping you up at night? And that's, that's the big thing, right? This is the huge benefit that I'm so grateful for, for the period of my life dealing with people in foreclosure, literally mm. watching the sheriff remove someone and their contents from their house mm. as the sign that I didn't do enough. Of course, like, like a doctor, right? You can't save everybody. And, yeah. and of course it's also not life and death, but like, that's the cost. And so it, mm. it's not, it's not the way I live my normal life, but when I'm in a sales role and when I coach teams, I help people, no matter what product they're selling, extrapolate out what is the worst case scenario if I don't help this person buy from me when they should, right? Let's say like your marketing manager example, they don't buy from you. You can't get them to get unstuck and make a decision that could help them. Well, marketing fails, which means sales doesn't have enough opportunities, which means the company doesn't make enough revenue and the company shuts down. Yeah. One's without a job. That owners probably got everything they have staked in that business, and most divorce and and suicides are a result of financial issues. Yeah. Yeah. And then, boom, extrapolate it out. They're either under a bridge or something bad, bad happened, health issues. Like, again, you're you're selling 
social media packages, right? I'm talking about someone being homeless under a bridge or taking their own life. And it's not that far off. Like if you have something, this is the key. If you have something that actually helps companies or individuals, that's how you should think about it every single time. I'm not selling you. I'm helping you if I can, like I owe it to you. Now, there's a lot of companies selling a lot of crap that a lot of people don't need and a lot of companies won't ever use. That's, that's different. Like that's yeah. a whole different group. <laughs> yeah. But, but like if you shift your mindset and actually care about people, like people could smell your commission breath. Like oh, not, I, I, people could smell it. Smell them. Like, oh, just, oh my God. <laughs> and that's how it is. Literally when you just want to sell a product, not unsold some shitty ones. Like I, I yeah. oh my goodness. And I felt terrible about it. Yeah. You get the commission you check. You feel terrible about it. Well, and, and so the other thing too is, is there's, you know, like that's always forecast out. Like what's the worst case scenario? Because I want to help you as a human, right? Like yeah. one of, part of my mission statement is I want to leave people better than I found them. So sometimes that means I've got to sell you like crazy to help you make the right choice. Like if you are a friend of mine and you yeah. had an addiction problem, I would do everything I could to help you get over that and like get treatment or whatever it is. Like I look at it that same way, right? Because yeah. you're a human. Um, the other part is, is then if people listen to what you said, which is so different, going back to these outbound calls, the people who are struggling now versus what they did years ago, is your approach is different. Your approach is now, is like if, if I was talking to you, hey, Jerry, Jason here. So yeah. I'm calling this, like calling market manager. I can only imagine what it's been like. Like, tell me, what are you facing right now in the pandemic? Like, what are you dealing? I know we're just chatting, but I'd love to find out, like, what are you really struggling with? Because if there's something I can help with, our company has done some great things for other companies, right? That's yeah. different than, hey, Jared. Hey, this is Jason. How are you today? Oh, yeah, it's Jason from ABC Corp. Oh, yeah, we we do this, this, and this. Hey, are, are you in the yeah. need for it? No, like that, every, everyone can tell. It just feels, it was my number one advice to people. Uh, when in doubt, if you don't know what to do, if you're struggling in sales or you're new in sales, when in doubt, do the opposite of what you think a salesperson should do. Oh man, I love that. Salesperson. Love that. Right. And I, I think the same way. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that, bro. But yeah. I'm, I'm but yeah, I, I, that's that's my intent. Like even with cold calling, my phone yeah. thing was like people would be like, hey, so I used to pride myself on outbound. So if you had a number that was listed on the web, if you were on LinkedIn, I was gonna get in touch with you some way, somehow. That was just a gift. Okay. I don't I don't know what it was. Like my gutter tell me, call right now, 1212, and I just get the person by his phone or something. It just was like that, right? So so basically, I, I was I was just beast like that. But I was thinking about what can I say on the phone that's going to make me memorable? And it's the same thing with social media. It's the same thing with content. And I would just think like, because what am I going to say? What am I literally going to say is either and I could just tell being being a salesperson is being a good being reactive, right? You can just yeah. tell by somebody's tone, how they picked up, how they're feeling. You've got to be able to pick up on that. You can see if they're happy, sad, if they're in a rush, if they want to just get you off the phone and just having something witty in your back pocket to kind of interject them and kind of bring the sales guards down. Because once again, your whole goal is to, I'm not scary, stranger, dangerous seller, Jared that's trying to get in your wallet. I'm just the guy that just happened to work with several companies like yours that actually knows what's going on in your space. And just curious if you're dealing with this. Yep. That's it. And, and it's, and it's a crazy intersection of things like confidence, experience, yep. trusting in yourself, you know, which leads yep. to confidence. Um, it's yep. things like, you know, when I first started leading a sales team and then doing training for new hires, I was like, oh my gosh, this is public speaking. I'm standing in front of this room full of these semi strangers who I just hired and I'm training them. And then I realized, wait, management and management meetings are, are, uh, uh public speaking. I was like, sales conversations or public speaking, right? Like you have to have a plan and an outline. You also have to be able to roll with it almost like improv, yeah. like improv is a great way to stay. So I went to Toastmasters. <laughs> I did Toastmasters for two years to, oh, to work on all that and to give that confidence. And, um, you know, I, I think that's one of the big things is, is having the confidence and then knowing that what you're selling is actually helping people and yeah. then just be a human, right? That's like what, how it. would you want me to call you if I, I, I was your friend and then we were going to chat uh, and you know, I had something that was going to help you because I knew you had a challenge, right? How would so you want true. me to call you? That's it. It's easy. It. So true. <laughs> so true. And, and somebody said this uh, actually, Paxton. I had him on last season. He, he's the chairman of the national. I asked him the same thing with relationships and sales. I asked him, how do you maintain all these relationships? You have like you're with Harry Belafonte, the BT CEO, and they're like, how do you maintain those? He said, be the friend that you always wanted. 
Yep. Simple as that. And that's the same goes as a salesperson. Be the salesperson that you would want to hear from. Yeah. Who do you want yeah. to talk if to? You're, if, if, you're a, if, if you are an individual or a business owner or work for a company, if you imagine that, what would you want if you had the problem that you think you're solving as a salesperson? Who would you want to approach you? How would it work? And obviously, you can't get in the minds of every person. Some people love the phone, answering the phone. Some people hate answering the phone because yeah. of salespeople. And so, but they're on LinkedIn. Some are on neither. They're on in, they're on email. Like you don't know how you're going to find them. But again, remember that's another person. It's stupid. It's cliche. They put their pants on probably some way like you do every day or your shorts or your yoga pants at home. Um, yeah. But like, that's it, 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 right? They're a person and you just got to remember. That's why, again, this is the biggest thing I've been saying for the last, it's got to be two years now of, mm -hmm. of just all the speaking and training is it's not B2C, it's not B2B, it's H to H, right? That's it's it. human to human. It that's doesn't it. matter. And again, a lot of people come to me and they're like, well, what do you know about insurance? Have you ever sold insurance? I'm like, well, I know doesn't matter. And I have to tell you, and this is what I tell everyone. They're like, well, what do you know about selling, uh, you know, HRIS software? It's like, well, I know humans. And if I have to teach you what your product does, you have a serious problem, right? Yeah. Your, your issue isn't explaining your product. Your issue is understanding humans, both you and the other person, and then understanding what they're afraid of and why they don't want to buy from you. And once you figure that out, then you can talk about your product. Yeah, oh man, this is so many Jeff. Anybody, this is a sales masterclass. Like we're just going off right now, <laughs> and I can talk about this shit all day, bro. Like seriously, so for sales professional, like we're just we're just giving you so many gems. And I'm gonna ask you a funny question, bro. Do you ever turn your sales off? Because I find myself having a hard time doing it. I'd be talking to friends, and I'm fucking doing a discovery call. Wait, so how'd you do that? And this happens. To me. <laughs> like where'd you where'd you go after that? Like you ever go? You ever do that with your friends? So it's a little different with me. So my sales process is rooted in a deep level of curiosity mm. and a, a deep feeling of empathy, right? Mm. So, you know, like I said, and again, not to not trying to dramatize it. My childhood was good. Uh, didn't have any issues. I just, I didn't fit in in school. Like I just had no friends, but my, I had, you know, a loving home and a loving family, but we were an underdog family. I'm still an underdog guy, right? Yeah. Because of what I've been through both as a kid, right? Like not being popular, not being in sports, like not, you know, all the stuff that, you know, kind of makes people think, you know, high egos was always the, the left out kid, right? The, I was the tallest kid in my class and I still couldn't get picked in basketball. Like that was me. Right. Uh -huh. And so like that and then life and like, you know, changing careers and having money and then having no money and having less than no money. And, oh, you know, I've, I've been mm -hmm. I've been divorced twice. And it's like, I wow. get it. Right. Like I've been through enough life. Like I am empathetic because I always want the underdogs to win. So for me, I like I feel everything and I hear everything. And so mm -hmm. when you ask about that, like the funny sales question, this is not a funny answer now that I'm saying is like, this is not funny. No, this is cool. But, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> like, for for me, this the, this is the interesting part, though, is because it's age to age, it's human to human for me. And I say everything in life is sales. For me, sales is asking questions, being curious, being empathetic and wanting to leave people in a better place. So one mm. of the things that I find myself doing is that not necessarily selling them something, but like offering advice or just like, again, part of my mission is to leave people better than I found them. Right. It could be someone at the grocery store and asking like, oh, you should go do this. Like I, I, it's it's that same vein where I'm just I'm just curious. I like I and and I and here's the big thing, Jared. This is why I always talk about my background and why, you know, I you know, tag sharks and why I focused on that. As a kid, I was not curious about people. I was curious about mm -hmm. science and animals and dinosaurs and then sharks and all kinds of kid stuff, but I literally couldn't care about people. And so I made myself curious about people mm. and realized like, oh, that's and and again, I want to be curious about you. I want you to be curious about me. And so uh yeah. Uh, uh, otherwise, I I don't know. I don't think I'm a I don't think I'm a pure pure salesperson like yourself, where you're just like, all right, you know, what can I what can either sell you or just in that mode <laughs> you can't turn it off. But my mode is just curious and and uh, and empathetic. Um, I don't know. I love that. I love that, bro. But I, I'm gonna piggyback off that because now I'm curious, right. bro. Because somebody you're saying you grew up like right, you know, the next you answer will be funny. I promise. All right, no, go ahead. All all good, bro. Because I'm thinking like if you were a loner as as a you know kid growing up, you say you didn't have many friends, right? How did no. you shift your mindset, bro, 
to want to be curious because you could have easily said, F people, I just don't want to talk to you. I'm bitter. My childhood yep. sucked. Like you guys were yep. mean, you were angry, like all those things. But if you wouldn't have told us that, I would have never guessed that. No. So how, how and, did you and, fix your mind to do that, bro? And, and it's interesting because I, in the process of writing the book, I realized, you know, what I have did in myself and then what I've seen with, you know, thousands of others and running sales teams and call centers and stuff and, and some of the common things and what I used to train on and, and, and what you can really make yourself. And I, I firmly believe that there is no such thing as a natural born salesperson. And we can talk about that as well. But like, uh, I made my, and that's why I talk about my background. Cause I want people to understand, like you can make yourself into whatever you want. You gotta have some basic skills yeah. and you gotta have a desire, but, um, you know, I, I don't know when that really was because when I was in college and I started working in a restaurant, I was bussing tables because I didn't really want to deal with hungry people. It's the last thing I wanted to do, but I needed a job. And then I realized I was pretty good with them. So I started as a waiter and I was dealing with hungry people. Um, and it's still not curious because it's not that kind of interaction. Um, I, I think it was when I was in the mortgage business and asking questions like my boss, he taught me nothing about sales. Like there wasn't a sales process, but he did teach me to ask lots of questions so that you could then give a consultative answer and advice. And so from there, and then going into the pre foreclosure stuff that I was dealing with was all about asking questions and being curious to find ways to help. And or now, luckily, I use my powers for good and not evil and or to find things that people say so you can use it to help them move themselves forward. Mm. Right. Because they're like so stuck that I've got to you've got to tell me something and then I'm going to use that as the reason why you need to get yourself unstuck. That's 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 so real, bro. And I, I do agree. And I'm a child. We're going to talk about this. I do think there is a natural born salesperson and i think do also agree with you that you can't be taught anything but i also think in sales is like singing i think i think you can be taught to be a great seller but i also think it's like mariah carey like some are just built with that voice like for me my upbringing was was complete opposite that's why i was so curious like bro like i was the the the, the star basketball player in high school i was this and that you know what i'm saying i'm a popular dude and all these other things and then Right after high school, now I'm college, and now I'm like I'm working at Starbucks and Dallas BBQs. I'm I'm smelling like ribs and I'm selling CDs. Oh, you know what I mean? And like that's like the most. Be I'm like I just took your order. You want a half a chicken with honey glaze? And oh yeah, here's my CD. It's like <laughs> and it's like, bro, I'm a natural born hustler. I would sell any yeah thing. Yeah. But, um, like I also still think like you know obviously you trained. You know you, we we've got trained. We've been through process. I've been a Sandler medic, band, all of the bad ones. You know what I'm saying? But um. Like for me, I do think there is a natural born salesperson. I do think so. so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so I think the thing is, is that if we use your, uh, and we can use the analogy of music, we can use the analogy of sports. Okay. There's somebody who's born with it at a level where if they do something with it, they will be amazing. Mm. Right. So I think there's, Agreed. People who are born with some natural talents at the intersection of being amazing at sales, if they work at it, right? So if we say like a Mariah Carey, she, she, she's not amazing just because she has some talent. She's also worked her ass off yeah, yeah, for a yeah. long time before anyone knew her, right? Not LeBron James, it, it, we know like, yes, he was amazing at 16, 17 years in high school, but he, he, he has some natural talents, obviously, but he also worked hard, right? Everyone knows, most people know, Kobe Bryant was in the gym before, it, it, oh. before the game, in the gym, it's still in the court after the game, <laughs> practicing yeah. at 4 a.m. Like when he was, I think it was him as a rookie and somebody else, like they were battling who could get there in the gym earliest uh, yeah. in the morning, in the preseason, like they hustle. People say, oh, well, if I just had those, if I was just born like Kobe Bryant, like, of course, I'd be amazing. No, it takes a lot. There's a lot of lazy non-basketball players that were mm -hmm. born with the talent. They just don't have the drive. Right. <clears throat> and I think Gary Vee talks a lot about that. Like the, 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 the born talents you have is not enough. Like you have to actually put in the effort. <clears throat> so here's why I say. And, and so mm -hmm. obviously for the greatest great people, you have to have both 
those natural born talents, and then these other things. Now, what we mm -hmm. see and what most people say, oh, that person's a natural born salesperson. They could sell iced Eskimos, which I think is the worst thing you could ever say, right? Like, who, <laughs> who, who, they don't need ice, right? Like, that's like the most manipulative, like old school sales <laughs> reference you could make, right? I could sell yeah. water in the desert. Like, holy crap, an order taker could sell water in the desert. Like, I could sell sand in the desert. Like, I, like, I just, but anyway, like when you see that person, we all seen that person, right? You think, oh, that person's amazing. But here's the deal. And I'll use Gary Vee as an example because a lot of mm. people might know him and recognize him, right? He, I think, is an amazing salesperson. I think he is an amazing persuader. I think in all the stuff I've seen him ever do, he asks lots of questions, gives advice. I, I know he is a closer. I know he's a hustler. The thing is, is that he was born with some talents and some abilities in a family. And then literally he tells stories at like, what, six, seven years old. He used to walk around the neighborhood, ripping people's flowers out, knocking on the door and selling it to them. And my point is here, right? Let's take six-year-old Gary. And then that's like 26-year-old Gary, right? Mm -hmm. By the time you meet 26-year-old Gary, he's now been hustling and selling in one way or another for yeah. 20 years, realizing he's got that ability. If yeah. you are familiar with Malcolm Gladwell and the Outliers book that he wrote, 10,000 hours, it takes 10,000 hours to master something. That means that, you know, three, four hours a day of practicing the piano, it'll take you five to seven years to do that. Now you've got mm -hmm. Gary Vee selling shit to people off and on for 20 years. By the time you meet him at 26, he seems like a natural born salesperson. No, he's been working on that for 20 mm -hmm. years. Now he's 46 year old Gary. He's been doing it for 40 years. He's not a natural. He had some natural things that really helped yeah. and he just ran with it, right? Like if anybody at five or six years old realizes Hey, I'm kind of good at this. Tiger Wood, a three-year-old, was swinging a golf club. Hey, I think I, I, let me see what this happens if I do this three, four hours a day. Then you make yourself amazing. So that's why I think mm. there's no such thing as a natural-born salesperson. Yes, that's things right. like extroversion helps, high level of confidence. You know, yeah. growing up with that, but you learn that with your ten thousand hours. Um, you know, being that's charismatic, so being empathetic. You know. Uh, some of those things, but what I'll also say, Jared, because I, I know you want to jump in, I can tell. No, like, no, I know no. You wanna, uh, no, no, that's a good one. I'm, I'm, as you're saying, that's so cool, bro. <laughs> the, the fascinating thing is what I would say, kind of going back to what we, we talked about a little bit ago, is that what we all might look at and agree, especially from the sales world, and say that person is a natural salesperson. They could sell anything to anybody. If they're still in that mode, they're the problem with sales. They are what people do not like interacting with, which is that person who's the extrovert, who charismatic storyteller, just pushing people and assuming they can sell anybody anything. I would argue that that's actually not who people want to buy from. They want to buy from someone they can trust, not just the flashy salesperson. So true. So true, man. So true, man. That that that's a hell of a gem too, bro. So you, you definitely persuaded me. I'm, I I do I agree with everything you said, bro. I'm not I'm not even <laughs> gonna try to challenge that at all, bro. So I'm curious because um I would love to give some advice. I know I didn't even realize we're like at 50 minutes, bro. Um, but um, cause I'm having I'm having an ill time. But so me and you are seller sellers. We're traditional okay. sellers. We're your sellers sellers, right? But you and I are working on personal branding, right? So I'm curious to you, like, when did that personal branding journey start? And how has it impacted your career? Because constantly to this day, I'm always getting, Jared, what is the point of all that? Jared, why are you on LinkedIn? Jared, what is it? How is it impacting your business? So I'm curious what your journey was like, brother, and what made you put yourself out there in order to drive more sales? So I think I'm going to not answer the question yet because I want to tee it up with something, which is okay. what we talked about earlier. And it goes back to the question you asked early on, which is that person who's been selling for X years, five years, 10 years, 15 years. It's hard now. They're saying it's hard. Their pipeline's drying up. What all that stuff. I answered part of that question with saying like, this is the problem in yep. if you're selling the same way, because somebody is going to reach research you. They're going to research your company. They're going to research anything especially before they sit down for a demo, right? If you're cold calling, you have a chance they might not know who you are, but they could look you up while they're listening to your terrible cold call as well and then and then see if they want to talk with you. Like that's the world we live in. And so I think it's really important for anybody in a forward-facing, customer-facing role, sales, this could apply to customer service, retention, anything, 
realize that people are going to look you up. So what's on the internet will help that person make the decision of, should I talk to that person? Are they a professional? Do I trust them enough to talk to them to find out if I trust them enough for them to help me? Or is this person just terrible or are they a nobody? Right. And there was a time where you didn't have to have any social media presence. It doesn't matter because I call you. You can't research me. You don't know who I am. I can make up whatever name I want. doesn't matter. It's it's a different world now. Right. Those boiler room days of like, oh, I'm, you know, just tell him I'm the the son. He's just my dad. Right. Like, uh, you know, you you can't you can't do that. If you do that, that you will lose long term right? Like it will come to you. And so the big thing is, is that you have to have social media. You have to assume I do this all the time. I said, someone wants a meeting with me. That's great. I'm, I'm researching, I'm Googling you. I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm looking at it. So that's the big thing. Cause I get that all the time too, especially from companies who are like, we want our people to use social media. I'm like, they should have something. They should post something. So (laughs) now here's what's fascinating prior to consulting, which has been about four and a half years now, I was VP of sales and marketing, VP of sales and ops, uh, you know, in my career, minus a little break where I went and worked with the government and went overseas. But that's a whole different podcast and a whole different story. <laughs> um, has nothing to do with any of it. And yet it's also funny. from Jason Cutter to Jason Bourne on me, bro. <laughs> I can't answer that and I can't acknowledge that. But anyway, so my um, <laughs> the so the thing is, is that I um I got on LinkedIn early, right? And this does answer uh-huh. your question, I promise. Uh-huh. So I got on it, I got on LinkedIn early. I remember being in the mid 2000s and I was on LinkedIn. I remember getting my first 100 contacts. It was mostly friends and family because there was no contact. And I was like, this is amazing. Like I'm a god. I have like 100 contacts. And then like <laughs> after a couple of years I got to like 500 contacts. I was like this is amazing. Except that every time I logged into to to LinkedIn it was articles about business stuff and people trying to sell me things. And I'm like, this is stupid. I don't need either of these. I work at a company and I don't need it. So I probably got to 500 contacts or 500 connections on LinkedIn by 2006, 2007. Okay. Mm. Fast forward the end of 2018, I have gone from 500 connections to 600 connections in 11 years (laughs) because Once a year, I might log into to to, uh, uh, to LinkedIn, and then oh, I get all these spam requests and all this crap and all these yeah. connection requests, and then I literally accept none of them. I log out because as a guy running a sales team and a call center, no value. I don't need LinkedIn for anything, right? Yep. LinkedIn yep. has nothing for me, especially as a B two C, you know, sales leader. I need yep. nothing from anybody on LinkedIn. And it's just a distraction and I don't have time for it. So I'm not on there. Now, fast forward consulting. I start consulting business. I'm like, I need to be everywhere. I need to connect <laughs> with everyone and I need to do everything. And, and there's people who have done a lot more and connected. But between January 2019 and now, April 2023, I went from 600 connections to what it was like 16,000, something like that, right? I went up pretty quick and then I've kind of leveled off. Because I was like, it's the value of the network. I want to be connected with everyone. I don't want to sell everyone. I just want to be connected. I also wanted to build the brand awareness as I built the consulting company from nothing, with no clients, mm-hmm. with no 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 pipeline. And so I did a couple things. One was get on LinkedIn and then just connect with lots of people. Again, don't pitch them. Don't do the gross stuff that we all hate on LinkedIn that people do, but they keep doing. Um, <laughs> just build an audience, engage with people, but just just collect people. And then when I post something, it's got a wider and wider reach. And then also when somebody looks me up, they can find it. It's also why I started my podcast in April of 2019. Again, new consulting company, no clients, no revenue. I'm like, you know what? I'm writing a book. Let me start a podcast and I'm going to do, because I'm crazy. I'm going to do a five day a week podcast and let's do it for 20 weeks just to see uh, see if I like it. Tim Ferriss Ferriss says, if you're going to start a podcast, commit to seven episodes, one a week or one a month and see if you like it and don't give up because everyone gives up. And I'm like, that sounds good, Tim. You know what I'm going to do is five days a week for 20 weeks. I'm going to do 100 episodes and then I'll see if I like it because I'm (laughs) a little crazy that way. Um, Wow. And so I did it. Uh, Is is solo episodes, you know, sub 15 minutes. Um, and you know, that's again, another topic, but my goal with that was to share everything I could prior to my book launching, but not as a marketing strategy, but ultimately I wanted to have this giant calling card out there that by the time somebody made it to me to have a conversation 
about their sales team and whatever they needed, they could look me up. And there's so much evidence out there that they don't have to ask me, hey, Jason, what do you know about sales and why do you think you're so good? There's yeah. so much evidence out there that, that an that's answered. Now, like it's going to the doctor. I don't need the doctor to tell me about where they got their license from and where they like, no, no, no. All that's done because you're a professional. Let's talk about me and my problem now. Right. And Definitely. what's interesting is, and this is so important, anybody in sales, remember this, people are going to Google. Just assume every single person you talk to is going to Google you. I had my podcast, uh, 2019. I had a guest on the show. His name was Rob Howes, H-O-W-Z. The end of the podcast, I do the classic thing that hosts do that they should never do. But I said, Hey Rob, so people can find out more information about you. Where should they find you? And the reason why I say that you shouldn't say that, because as a host, you should know where people should go, right? Yeah. So uh, you should tee them up for that. Hopefully you don't. <laughs> but anyway. Um, <laughs> oh, I was No, I was like, oh man, I just painted oh, him in the corner. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so I, I say, Rob, so how, what's the best way people find you? He's like, I'm the number one Rob House on Google. So just Google Rob House, H-O-W-Z, and you'll find me. That's it. And I was like, we get off the thing. And I'm like, that's amazing. I Google myself. I'm like on page two. And I was like, oh, I got to fix that. And so now it's a joke. But if you ask my call to action, I'll tell some other things. And I'll say, I'm the number one ranked Jason Cutter on Google. Like if you Google me now versus 2019, I dominate the first four to five pages. There's a couple other Jasons that sneak in like on the first page, like, but it's all me such that if you don't know me, you get referred to me or you set up a, an appointment with me. And, and Google me, like, there's overwhelming proof that I know some things about some things, right? Like, yeah. and now it's about how can I help you? And again, I, if you're an SDR, a BDR, an account executive, like all of this still applies because people are going to research anything because they're scared of buying. That's why they're, that's why they're not a customer yet. And so they're going to research so they make sure they don't make a mistake. So true, man. So true. And as you're doing that, I did mine too. So I'm on the first page, but there's a Jared Thomas nine on Instagram. I'm coming for you. So whoever you are, just know. how did you let that happen? I don't know how the hell I let it happen. What, what is that about? It's just on Instagram. And, he's, <laughs> but, uh, and, 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 and he's, and, and, and he's number one. He's number one. I'm right underneath. He's number one above you. What the heck? Oh, you got to crush him. Oh, uh, my. He looks like he's a starting pitcher somewhere. He looks like he's got a hell of a fastball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and again, obviously, obviously, it helps. Like, it, if you have a, a common name versus a non-common name, like you're there number two, and then like there's another LinkedIn for Jared Thomas Esquire, which I don't think is you, uh, and then you know some other stuff. Like my name isn't popular. It's not un, not not popular. But again, if you like, I just searched mine as well. It's like here's this dude from Purdue, about fifth down on the list. And that's it. Like you just keep going through about page four. And, and again, it's the, the, <laughs> and I, this wasn't my purpose. My purpose wasn't flood to this. This isn't a, a reputation management play that companies yeah. will make. Exactly. This is a, I just want to put a ton of content out there and I want to make it clear that for the right people, I know what I'm doing. That's it, brother. That's it. So I'm not I'm not even gonna lay up. So if you guys want to find Jason Cutter, clearly you can Google him. You can go on LinkedIn, you can go to the website, you can go to Cutter Consulting Group, you can just Google it. Um, you know, I would highly recommend you guys to follow Jason. He's somebody that I recommend. He's somebody that I've got a lot of respect for in the sales in the sales world, and he just gets it, he knows his stuff. If you've been listening to this, you know he knows his stuff, guys. So support, check his book out. He has online courses, all the above, man. So Please, brother. You know, I, I'm honored to have you on the show, brother. I'm, I'm honored to call you a friend. And I, I'm just appreciative, brother. I'm looking forward to everything you accomplish in the future, man. And you know, if there's any way I could help you, I'm here, bro. I, I, I am so grateful to be here. You know me. I love talking about this stuff and get to chat with you on the show oh, yeah. about this. Uh, you know, again, I knew going into this, it was like, the time's going to fly. We're going to run out of time. I didn't even get to the other thing that salespeople mess up. I mean, I want to, man. Well, first of all, I'm going to get you back. First of all, and we're going to just do, I think me and you need to just do a sales masterclass. We need to just press the button one day. To, yep. Just go for it. Yep. We just need to, and we're going to go for it. We'll do OTB, Cutter Consultant Group, Sales 101, and then mess around. We might come up with a course for you guys. Who knows? It might be a joint course for you guys. Message. <laughs> there it goes so everybody man, i just want to say thank you for everybody who tuned in uh the shout out to the facebook youtube 
LinkedIn supporters, uh, Instagram, everybody who's tuned in. Thank you again. Uh, once again, this is more than a title sponsored by Hard Rock Cocktails. Make sure if you go to your place, it should be near Truly and White Claw. Go pick up the Hard Rock Cocktail because that's where it's at. That's what we're doing. The margaritas hitting. Trust me, I'm on it. Love it. <laughs> so everybody, once again, we're gonna see you guys next week. We got a crazy lineup uh, lined up for you guys. We got Dr. Marcus Collins. We got Dr. Teresa Horn. We got Travis Lechner. We got Corporate Bro. We got some ones coming up. So guys, it's gonna be a crazy, crazy lineup. And just thank you guys for the support, Bianca. Thanks again, sweet. Love you, baby. And I'll uh, see you guys next week for another episode of More Than a Title. We out of here. Want it all, oh, what you know about me?